Hey everyone, welcome to Comedy History 101. Whoa, I bet you're thinking, where the hell have we been? Well, we were on hiatus. What turned out to be a one-month hiatus turned into a four-month hiatus. But now we're back. That's right, we're back with a repeat episode. What? That sounds lazy. Yes, today we have a repeat episode on the history of comedians, the mob, and the Copacabana, and the precise point where those three things meet. But we will be back soon with a brand spanking new episode. But before we jump into the episode, take some time to like, subscribe, and comment on Comedy History 101, wherever you get your podcasts. And, you know, maybe if you do, we won't go on another four-month hiatus. How about that? How about that trade-off, friends? And also, a quick plug, on June 15th, Scott and I have a documentary in the Tribeca Film Festival. Whoa, that sounds heavy. Yes, our documentary is called Betrayal, and you can see it on June 15th at 5 p.m. And now, without further ado... Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. Comedy History 101. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Copacabana is proud to present the king of the one-liners, Henny Youngman. How are you all? I'm glad to be here. Take my wife, please. I take my wife everywhere, but she finds her way home. I said, where do you want to go for your anniversary? She said, I want to go somewhere I've never been before. I said, try the kitchen. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Ah, ha, ha. And that, my friends, is one Henny Youngman performing at the Copacabana from the movie What, Scott? That was from the movie Goodfellas, my friend. Goodfellas, yeah. yeah. All, all a part Good of... Goodfellas. Uh, fellas. Fellas. Fellas, yeah. yeah. All a part of, I think I would say, uh, one of cinema's uh, greatest tracking shots ever. It was, yep, one one shot. They uh, all all the way in. Yep. I, I believe it took them a week to film that. It was good, man. It was good. I just watched, rewatched um, Wolf of Wall Street over the break, and I have to say, uh, enjoyed that. And yes, and yes, and yes, you've turned into another episode of Comedy History 101. Where we school you in comedy. I am Harmon Leon. With me, as always, Scott Kalanico. Scott, how is the holiday season treating you? Holidays are good, Harmon. I'm over here in uh, West Berlin now, but I got me an East German TV set, a Robotron. So I was, I was pretty. Oh, happy. did you pretty, get? Did you get a pair of Levi jeans too? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and a Marlboro and, 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 and a pack yeah, of Marlboro and a Bruce Springsteen album. <laughs> <laughs> you know he played over here. He played. He played uh, in East Germany. That was like a good big deal. Like recently, or no? Back, back in, in the, the day. days. Back in the back oh, in the yeah. old days. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, him and little people singing to "Born in the USA." Stevie, Stevie Van Zandt, dude. Well, you know, um, when I stopped at the hipster bar where we were at before, Mm -hmm. uh, when I was reading the Copacabana notes, uh, I stopped because they were playing um, uh, "Born to Run." I was like, "Ah, dude, gotta go in here." 
here, here, here. And of course, so on our previous episode, we talked about the history of Don Rickles, the mob and the Irishman. So to recap, back in the day, uh, pretty much all nightclubs that comedians performed at were owned by who, Scott? Um, The mafia, although I take um, offense to that. uh, Why why, are you you on the the, the jury stand? uh, No. (laughs) You take the fifth? I might be a little (laughs) Italian, so I might be offended by that. Ah, yes. But uh, in reality, yes, they were run by this. And the reason we know this is because, just to give a brief little history lesson, um, back in the day, there was Prohibition. So the mob ran bootleg booze and and they ran the speakeasies. Prohibition got uh, repealed. Uh, Scott, was that uh, 1933? Uh, 1933, you're correct. Wow, you're correct, Harmon. Yeah, that was it. Yep, so it got repealed. Uh, so it was legal to drink. So the mob, though, was left with all these nightclubs, and, you know, they they couldn't just profit on uh, selling booze so much anymore, so they brought in entertainment. So pretty much every city across America had a, night, a Las Vegas-style nightclub with performers and entertainers, and comedians, and thus in the movie The Irishman, we saw Don Rickles on stage where? At the Copa. As, as yeah. Barry Manilow would say? At the Copa. Copa <laughs> Cabana. Oh, man, Barry. At the Copa. So, yeah, so that is one of the legendary comedy clubs that has a long, long, long mob ownership history. So in The Irishman, back in, I believe it was 1972, 73, the the Copacabana was run by one Crazy Joe Gallo. Yeah. And then... um, yeah, so but the Cobra has been there been there for a long time. That was the because it's it's moved a couple times. That was the yeah, original so place. Ri- yeah. The original room was uh, it was uh, opened in on November tenth, nineteen forty, and it was on tenth East Sixtieth Street in the New York City. In the New York City, and it was it was labeled as the it place to perform. Yeah, that was it. Um, there's a really, really good clip. So, so we'll maybe you could drop in a soundbite here or not. But the, one of the f- most famous ones, clips that you can find on the YouTube's, is the um, they actually did a film recording of mm-hmm. um, what's his name, uh, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin doing their act, their famous act from the Copa. You know, after being away from nightclubs for the past three years, it's certainly nice to be back here in the Copa. I'm sorry, this is our last night. My task at the moment is a very pleasant one because it gives me the opportunity to present the crazy man, crazy guy with the Martin Lewis team. And here he is, Jerry Lewis. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, again, it was like the it place to play. And I believe it was 1949, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin started performing at the club. Uh, it says, as part of a large group of A-list performers who would frequent the Copa in the coming decades. Uh, two years before that, Groucho Marx... Ooh, what, talk about a bill. Talk about a double bill here. 1947, Groucho Marx and Carmen Miranda yeah, starred man. in the film Coochie, Copa Coochie. Cabana. 
No, that was uh, what's that's Charo. <laughs> Charo. <laughs> Carmen is the woman with fruit on her head. <laughs> Let's do the Copacabana. It's tropical people. Go to your feet and make you feel at That's cause the Copacabana comes directly from the canyons of Manhattan. Where's Charo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Groucho Marx and Charo <laughs> started in the 1947 movie Copacabana. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the list goes on and on, like, um, of who performed there. Uh, of course, uh, Old Blue Eyes, as we talked about in uh, last episode on uh, Don Rickles. He performed there. Um, so here's what the comedians back in the day, here's what they said about what it was like to play at the Copacabana. Um I'll read one. You read one. Um, so Marty Allen. Do you know who Marty Allen is? Comedian Marty Allen? I think I kind of think I know who he is. I think he had like some catchphrase like, who that there? Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. No, that was it, dude. I do. No, that is. It's exactly who I thought it was. Yeah, Marty Allen. That was his catchphrase. Who dare? (laughs) <laughs> was it? Um, yeah, yeah. Tell me, what would you do if you came face to face with a gorilla? I'd say, shake hands, brother. I married your sister. <laughs> um, so he said, if you played the Copacabana and you did well there, it was all over, baby. From there on, you could go anywhere. If you play the Copa and you made it, boy, that's how it all happened. So it was kind of like back in the day before, before the TV, uh, before like you know making it on the Tonight Show. It was about all about you know making it at the Copacabana. Okay, oh, dude. So I got. So here's the thing. So um, <laughs> who dare? So he yeah. was to to, to go delve into this a little bit more. Um, he was part of a comedy team with Steve Rossi, and the reason. So they're on they're on Ed Sullivan show a bunch of times. But the reason they're kind of famous is because they were the guys that went on before the Beatles. Back in 1964, when they really? had the Beatles, yeah. So, and then uh, Marty <laughs> Allen, he went over the the crowd when he went on. He said, "Hey, I'm Ringo's mother." So there ah. you go. That's, that's, that's that's why we know who he, who he is. Yeah. Oh wow! So they had to open for the Beatles and uh, yeah, <laughs> for like screaming fifteen-year-old girls. <laughs> no, exactly. No, no. Oh, oh my God! In 1968, he made a hello dare. Tour oh, of military there. hospital. That was it. That was him. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> hello kinda, there. Yeah, I but think it doesn't. That's a, it doesn't yeah. go into. It doesn't go into his his catchphrase. Yeah, that's he's exactly who I thought he was, but it doesn't really elaborate on hello dare at all. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you know who uh, comedian Pat Cooper is? I says, Mom, I got Jewish friends and Italian friends coming for dinner. What am I going to cook? She says, Lox Parmesan. <laughs> I think I do, and I believe he is a kind of um, rather rotund uh, guy. Maybe with yep, that's who I thought he was. Yep. So yeah, so he was another big comedian, uh, dude. Oh, crazy! Are you ready for what? this? Yes, his I am. Real, his real name? What? Pat Cooperstein? Pa- Pasquale Cupato. <laughs> no, the oh, other way, wow. dude. He was uh, he was one Italian. of my peeps. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so nice. he was, um, so he was like another one. He was an analyze that and and analyze this as a uh, 
the, like the a sequel. Wise guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, he played on the Jackie Gleason show and uh, so played back in New York City back in the day. Yeah, so what he said about the Copacabana, he said, I saw comics that were scared to walk down the steps at the Copacabana. That's what the Copacabana did to some comics. They were terrified of this club because it was the greatest nightclub ever in the history of nightclubs. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's kind of the thing. So you kind of forget about it now. And from what, you know, obviously we weren't there. But from what you read about it. But we know, it, we know like, the song. We can we know the song and uh, we, we can know read, about we can, her Lola, we can read, the showgirl, and we can read Wikipedia. We know what but, what types <laughs> of feathers she had in her hair but, and how far her dress went down. The, the thing, which is, was to there, to there. But the thing is, back then, this is like even before before big network TV and that kind of and before nighttime talk shows. It was basically the Copa Commander Club was the club. You know that was it. So if you went on there and you did well. That was mm-hmm. that was like, that was like going on Johnny Carson, you know, ten year, twenty years later or whatever. Well, I think I have a theory about that. And then just to, to uh, here's a list of some other people that play there: Jimmy Durante, he was considered a comedian, right? Yeah, he's uh, all right. Frank Sinatra, Rosemary yeah. Clooney, isn't that that George Clooney's mom? George Clooney's, Clooney? It, no, it's like his aunt. His aunt, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, Louis Prima, is, is he like a? That's amore. Yeah, that's amore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So New Orleans. You, yeah. Yeah. So essentially the biggest stars of the day. But you know, I think if, like what you're saying about uh if you make it at the Copacabana, because there was a whole network of these nightclubs and going back to the thesis of this episode is they were there all these nightclubs were run by the mob. So again, if you made it at the flagship one, you would you'd get to go out uh, on the circuit. Mm-hmm. So one of the one of the the, the, the most notorious uh, owners of the Copacabana was uh, mob giant Frank Costello. Yeah. yeah. But they would, here's what they would do: they would uh, in 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 no relationship to Lou Costello. No, 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 no. no. Uh, <laughs> That joke. Uh. Um, so, uh, but uh, his name did not appear on the marquee. And again, I think it was it was like uh, a lot of these other, you know, mob run clubs. Is they would get a front man. A front man would be the face of of the club. So the right. owner was uh, the front man on the lease was a guy named Monty Prosers, Proser, who was from England. And he was a well-connected nightclub owner, press agent, whose clients included one Walt Disney. Yes. <laughs> Mary Pickford and the Siegfried Follies. So that uh, those, yeah. back in old-timey days, right. pretty huge names. So, again, uh, you know, he was the guy on the lease, but uh, Costello put a man named Jules Prodel. Prodel? How do you pronounce that? Podel? Prodel. As, Podell, as the front yeah. man. So he yeah. was like the face of the club. And he was no angel either. He had a police record. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't think that would be good for to be the front man of a business, which it wasn't because the club faced tax problems and racketeering investigations in 1944. Uh. Uh. But uh, what they said about Jules Podell was he was feared. That's how the comedians remembered him. He, he yeah. talked in a very low, gruff voice. He was short and squat. I kind of think of maybe like Bob Hoskins 
type character, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, he was. He was. He wasn't. He wasn't a fun guy. Yeah. So what they said was uh, he was not involved with, and this is in quote the boys, but he worked for the boys. Uh, Jules Pudel was the front man. Uh, he didn't really own it. Everyone knew that. Says some comedian. <laughs> Yeah, so he would spend uh, just to just to uh, to uh, quote a little bit from the uh, New York Times obituary. Uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Pudell would uh, spend twelve to sixteen hours a day at the nightclub, and seven days a week when it was open. So he he loved his club. Yeah. So here's here's what uh, they said about uh, Jules Pudell. So um, I checked out this guy. There's a Borscht Belt comedian named Freddie Roman. Have you ever heard of? Is the ninety four year old man that marries a ninety one year old woman? And on their wedding night, she calls down to him and says, Sam, would you like to come upstairs and make love? He said, Sylvia, I can't do both. Have you ever heard of him? Because uh, no. I haven't until I uh, found a YouTube video of him. But he was like just very old school uh, Catskills type comic. He said uh, about Podell, he was an absolute tyrant. It was a little bit frightening. He was an imposing figure. Rich Little. Do you, what, what do you know of Rich Little? Oh, man. I know that Rich Little started the Orson Welles movie. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that that documentary about um, that last Orson Welles movie? Oh, it's not good. Oh, I no, mean, the, the documentary is like, all right, but the movie but he, was horrible. Yeah, but he wanted uh, the documentary is good. Yeah, but it's really interesting. He he like Orson Welles really wanted um, Rich Little to be in it. To do what? That's like when Orson Welles was like into this, like, like he's kind of influenced by the trippy drug culture type. Yeah, he was trying to be all like hipster Hollywood indie dude. Oh, it was just sad. He was living at like Peter Badanovich's house. Yeah, Yeah. just having like if you're like his Peter Badanovich's like girlfriend, and he just got like oh Orson just came out of the bathroom. (laughs) Pu. Did you just drop the kids off, dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, it's kind of sad because, you know, Orson yeah. Welles is, you know, he made Citizen Kane. Yeah, it was good, but, but it was, you know, kind of... Pe- at 25. Blew, blew his wad a little early, though, baby. That, that was it. But he got, he was all mad. He was all mad. But here's a thing. So I, you were talking about Mr. Padell. So I dug up this mm-hmm. other interesting quote about him. Um, so apparently uh, Mr. Padell was a waiter at one time. So he did. He yep. was a waiter for a long time, but he would never. When he would never, he wanted to get a waiter's attention. He would never uh, snap his fingers or whistle at them. Um, he wore this. He used to wear this big ring, a pinky ring. And so what he yeah. would do is like he would like wrap his pinky ring on the table when oh. he wanted service. Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> I think isn't that I don't know if that's worse. Than snapping your fingers. <laughs> yeah, but um, so as Rich Little said about Podell, he was a very gruff guy. Yeah, he was very set in his ways, very stern, not too friendly, but he ran the whole show. Oh, yeah, no, he, he was the dude. Yeah, Steve Rossi. So it was Marty Allen and Steve Rossi. Uh, he said, you always got the feeling he was pissed off. Then again, he was. Oh, actually, so, oh, my, oh, my God. All right, dude. So I, actually, I've got a little, um, oh, interesting. So I've got a little um, bit from some Don Rickles here. Yeah, about about Podell or the about, about Podell, dude. Okay, interesting. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Go go ahead because uh, yeah, as we all know, uh, Don Rickles played there uh, the night that uh, 
spoiler alert, Crazy Joe Gallo got gunned down at Umberto's Clam House. Yeah, so apparently, so Jules Podell said about Don Rickles, his quote, he said, he's an insult comment, in, no, sorry, excuse me, one more time. He's an insult comic, he insisted, not my style, unquote. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, really? um, and then, yeah, and like then, yeah, to 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 Don Rickles, and then, uh, but Rickles is here is saying is that Podell would put his name above the title on the outside of the Copacabana, where it's, he said it was, it was Jules Podell's Copacabana. Oh, wow. And again, it was owned at the time. It was owned by Frank Costello, the mobster. Uh, Maybe maybe the the sentiments of Shecky Green sums up Podell Best, who said the man was a cocksucker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, wait. This is a good story. Okay. You ready for this? Okay, so this is another another quote from uh, Don Rickles' book. Okay, so quote. Before the show started, I was invited into the kitchen to have a drink with Mr. Podell. He always sat on a stool next to the cash register. He never failed to have the Chinese cooks gather around me and cheer, hip hip hooray for Don Rickles. <laughs> then Mr. <laughs> Pradell and I would raise our glasses of Quavassier. He'd toast me and I would down the hatch, <laughs> unquote. <laughs> yeah, that was another thing about the Copacabana. It was known for its good food and especially its good uh, Chinese food menu. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. That right. that and its steaks. You, you imagine... The Copacabana would have some good steaks. Yeah, you'd hope so. Yeah. So, uh, just Pat Cooper, who we talked about before, said in the Copacabana, he was King Kong. When he walked out of the cabana, he was scared of his own shadow. Mm-hmm. Does that mean he was scary, that his shadow scared him? Or he's like a man who is easily frightened? I think he was just shadow. easily frightened by his own shadow. Yeah. But again, not an Italian man. He was he was Jewish. He was actually Jewish. Well, that's you know? fine. He he can be yeah. Jewish. That's fine. I don't, I'm not. Yep, 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 yep. But uh, his daughter, Mickey Podell, was five years old when her father took uh, control of the club. Uh, she said uh, what he heard is, as far as I knew, my father was in charge of the Copa Cabana. I never questioned how or why. It was just a fact. Occasionally, there would be stories in the press that led my classmates at school saying my father was a gangster. If I asked my father, if I asked my mother, she would answer, don't be silly. Your father is not a gangster. I once asked her about Frank Costello because his name surfaced in the paper regarding the Copa and my father. My mother just said that Frank Costello was a very nice gentleman. Exactly. Ah. That's what they used to say about the Krays. The, you know the Cray brothers, Ronnie and Reggie. Oh yeah, they were like. Good uh, you always get you always get a quote from some woman who is an actress on like East Enders, going, <laughs> "They were the perfect gentlemen." Exactly, dude. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know you you better say. But there is a mob pecking order in the ownership. Uh, it was known that some performers, you know, pretty much their careers were financed by the underworld. Um, Comedian Bobby Ramson said the Copa was owned by uh, Vito Genovese, 
when Mr. Genovese went away, in quotes, it was turned over to Frank Costello. So Genovese, mm-hmm. of course, of the uh, Genovese crime family. Hey, watch when, it. <laughs> so it was the early 30s, both uh, Frank Costello and uh, Vito Genovese worked under mob boss Lucky Luciano, a uh, very famous uh, mobster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Genovese was an underboss and Costello as a consigliere? Is my consigliere. Consigliere. And what does that mean exactly? You're the it was one kind of like advisor. 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 Yeah. But that's so kind of racist Lu- that you think that you just assume that I would know what that means. You have a passporto. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a passporto. Uh, okay. What do you want? I am you not. Watch, I am you not. Watch, I am not you wa- which, but you watch the God. What, you watch the what has, You got what to watch the two, Godfather. What oh. has two thumbs and is an Italian citizen? You, <laughs> but did you watch The Godfather? That's Robert Duvall. Oh Robert yeah, yeah. Duvall. I'm just, I'm just asking of, uh, yeah, of uh, just the pronunciation. So that'd be Confi- Robert Duvall. Confi- so he was like a, a legal counsel. Yeah, it's like legal counsel advisor kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So Luciano was sent to prison in 1936. Gen- Genovese was appointed acting boss of the family. A year later. Genovese was a prime suspect in a murder investigation, so he fled to uh, Italy, kind of like Sonny Corleone. Watch it. Watch it. Keep going. It's the godfather, dude. I know. Just keep going. <laughs> um, in his absence, Frank Costello controlled the Luciano's crime family. Gen- Genovese would find work as a contract killer for Mussolini, eventually hey. receiving Italy's highest civilian Watch mount. it. All right. <laughs> um. Take it from there, my friend. Uh, well, just to keep going on the uh, same subject, at the end of the war, the local authorities exposed a list of Genovese's many crimes, and they discovered his status as a fugitive, so he was sent back to the States to stand trial. Uh, they pulled up key prosecution witnesses, uh, but they were murdered <laughs> before the trial happened, so he was acquitted. Ba- back in the, <laughs> the good old days of back the, well, criminal or, investigation. Or back when, you know, certain people would go to prison and in being solitary confinement and then found dead which just yeah. happened like not too oh, long absolutely. ago <laughs> yeah 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 it kind of happened not too long ago so at the end of the war uh they found a list authorities in the united states found a list of the genovese vetting crimes and uh, uh excuse me at the end of the war uh the authorities in italy uh found a list of genovese vetting crimes discovered that he was a fugitive and sent back to the united states for trial after the acquittal, Genovese was a free man and ready to assume his old position, but his bu- old buddy Frank Costello had no desire to um, let him take control again. So there's a power struggle. Because he likes show business, dude. Yeah. It's the Copacabana. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it was like, yeah. Yeah, so basically he convinced all the people in the family to abandon uh, Costello's leadership and follow him instead. So by well, by by the late 50s, Genovese, he was back in control. So he was on top of the, top of the game, and he was in charge of a lot of clubs, and um, they would only, people who were running clubs would only deal with him. So he was, like, in charge of all a lot of the sub clubs around the country. Like you said, the supper club, the supper in um, Copacabana was top-notch. So they owned the club, they owned the good food, and they owned the entertainers. So... Uh, from there, um, very interesting. Have you ever heard of, up until today, the comedian Alan Drake? 
I'll, I'll give you two IMDb sort of tributes. One, Samford and Son. The other, the movie. Oh, this makes sense. He was he was on Samford and Son, and then he was in the movie Norman Is That You starring Red Fox. Yeah, so which which person? So we just watched the Norman Is That You trailer. Yeah. Which character um, was he? I, don't, I think he just had a bit part because he wasn't in the trailer. But I just look at his IMDb page, and it mentioned Norman. Is that you? And it sounded interesting. I clicked uh, on the trailer for that movie. I, I would. Oh, and it was uh, directed by George Slater, who we've talked about on this podcast for what? What? What's the the, the shortest running comedy show of all time? Uh, he was he, uh, responsible. He was responsible for TuneIn and. Um... Laughing. Laughing. But the other thing that I, I put out to you was that the other star, one of the other stars of Norman Is That You was uh, Dennis Dugan, who would go on to to uh, direct a lot of the Adam Sandler movies. Oh, wow. That's pretty yeah. interesting. So I think yeah. he directed like Happy Madison, like two, the, the, the big ones. Yeah, not not Uncut Gems, which is great. I just watched that. Dude, no, uh, Adam Sandler is insane in that. One. Adam Adam Sandler is a good actor. That's the thing. It's just like that's the thing. Well, he, he was just... in that one with uh, was it Paul Anderson? Not Paul. Yeah, Anderson. yeah. The, the, um, the crazy love. Your crazy with love. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Not not the wedding singer one, but uh, no, 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 not the. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think she was in that one. But like, yeah, but he's she's... he's insane in fucking uncut gems. He's just the whole movie tour de force. No, man, he's he's always been a good actor. He just does these, you know, he gets trapped in that his yeah. his dumbass whatever, you know, stupid character and it's just like you're not that guy, you know. It's just you know, he he can do grown-ups too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think though now he's just kind of like he's that hopefully. I mean, cuz I hopefully. think there was some TV series on Netflix that it was kind of like he played it straight. So I think that's kind of he's found his kind of momentum now. You know, we were ready to write off Adam Sandler years ago in the Rob Schneider category. <laughs> no, dude, I was. No, I never was. Back. I never was, dude. I never was, man. Really? Um, no, no, never ready to write him off. You weren't writing like, off Rob Schneider. <laughs> uh, Rob Schneider is kind of because I have seen both of the. Um, um, Grown-ups? I've seen both of the Deuce Bigelow movies, so I'm, I'm kind of oh, ready, yeah? right, right ready to write off Rob Schneider, dude. Sorry, Rob. Yeah, he has a self-funded TV show on Netflix yeah. that yeah. he paid for the entire production of. Which one? Is that, that the one no where one, he's... I think it's called, like, it's like called like Rob, maybe. Yeah. Is that one where he's, <laughs> you know, he's like, like, uh, he's, like I, da- he's like the ethnic dad because he's like Filipino or something? I think it's just, it's supposed to be, you know, it's like Louis where it's like supposedly yeah. Louis's real life, but it isn't. So I uh-huh. think he just ripped off that type of formula where it's like, it's really my real life. Yeah. You know, we don't, I'm, we don't, I'm Rob Schneider playing a character named Rob yeah. Schneider. But he's just another, but, but he is, he does have an the interesting connection with that whole San Francisco comedy scene. You know? Oh, he does. He's from, uh, he's from like Half Moon, not Half Moon, but Pacifica. Yeah, Outside, I've been to like been Half Moon Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Pacifica is like I don't. I guess you'd call it a suburb of San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. it's out there by the by the ocean or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, we digress. So, there's a comedian, Alan Drake. Uh, he played the Copacabana. Uh, suddenly, one day, his his management informed him that he was dropped from the roster. So, there was this mobster that worked for Frank Costello named 
named Anthony Carfano, who went by the moniker Little Augie. So he called Little Augie, and and, and Augie soothed him. He said, Drake, listen, times are tough. Have you tried the Lotus Club? It's in Washington. So pretty much he sent uh, Alan Drake off to uh, Washington uh, to to perform, uh, which is another club I I, I checked out and uh, also had a really good Chinese menu. Really? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, But there was another motive for uh, Little Augie to send drake to washington dc he was also having an affair with his wife oh Janice dear drake. Oh. oh dear so 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 on that weekend they sent he sent uh drake down to uh dc to perform so he calls up janice and says let's go to the copa babe what do you say sure sure no it'll be no problem Vito and i are tight again so i guess that's genovese so um Drake went to Washington. Uh, he was performing. Uh, it was just like he was just eating it on stage. Uh, so Janice, uh, you know, right before he left, she was like primping her hair and scrambling out the door. Uh, little Augie would arrive shortly. Uh, Janice looked flashy. She had a pearl bracelet on that was a gift from him and a diamond wedding ring that was, of course, from her husband, Alan. Uh, little Augie was dressed in a stunning dark blue suit, blue, blue uh, silk suit, and they went off for a delightful evening at the Copa. So did everything turn out good for them that night, no, Scott? it was horrible, what, dude. In fact, was it their last night alive? I think it might have ended. Okay, so, so Scott, that was their last night alive. Uh, so Costello thought... Uh, he was in good with Genovese. Uh, Genovese was in prison for heroin trafficking. He was behind bars, uh, but he wasn't allow. He wasn't about to allow Costello, you know, to to fill the vacuum on his role. So from prison, he sent a directive that said, "Get Augie." Damn. What okay. happened then, Scott? All right, so at this point, man, so Harmon, actually, I found a couple more things out about our our our, uh, our comedian Alan Drake. So at this time, Alan Drake yeah. rushes rushes through the eight o'clock show at the Lotus Club. It's not going well, and so he keeps going on. Um, you know, my wife. Yeah, he had like uh, we got to do an episode on this on like mother-in-law jokes or yeah, yeah, yeah. my yeah. my wife's a bad cook jokes, yeah. <laughs> which which are dated. So, uh, like I think one of his jokes it's not was very woke. Uh, yeah. my my wife. She's so young, she, and how imagine how this would go over. Uh, my broad. wife. She's so young. She's <laughs> the only broad on the block who goes to a pediatrician. Yeah, it's horrible, dude. <laughs> ooh, ooh, that means she's under age. My, my <laughs> wife is a terrible cook. She's getting better. Her roast beef was awful, but now she put two roasts in the oven at the same time. One small, one large. When the little one is burned to a crisp, she figures the big one's ready. She's the first housewife required to register her pressure cooker with the police. She shot a pot roast into outer space. So, oh, so she's but not here's a good cook. No, I so, want my okay, roast beef. I'll, I'll let you go into let you go into. But I did find some interesting things about Mr. Alan Drake. Before we, yeah. we'll go on, dude. So I'll let other you go than on, his wife was cheating on him with a mobster. Oh yeah, dude. We get we'll, what else? More what else? That, more of that. Dude, and I've got the I've got the uh, detail the deets as the kids say on that. Um, so yeah. yeah, he was actually in Norman. Is that you? He was he played the role of cab driver, 
But oh, he okay. did, yeah. He was on a lot of episodes of The Sanford and Son, and he oh. actually had Rodney Rodney Victor was the character he played on there. So he he was friends with um, Red Fox. Yeah, with Red Fox, and he he was an episode of uh, Too Close for Comfort, and also an episode of um, Get Smart. Yeah, that's crazy though. You know, he's had this long career, and but you know, his wife just. Uh, died tragically so she and little augie finished their dinner at the copa cabana they walked to uh, marino's bar for a drink they were seated less than five minutes when the waiter approached and said excuse me sir there's a phone call for you on the house phone uh he excused himself and only to return to say i'm so sorry janice we have to split it's urgent business so they hustled back to little augie's black sedan but waiting for him in the back seat cleverly concealed were a pair of Vito's henchmen and who said, hi, Augie, start driving. So they drove uh, out of Manhattan to south of 94th Street in Jackson Heights. They reached the waterfront uh, by LaGuardia Airport, which I just flew into, so kind of got a good idea. So little Augie started to weep, begging and crying, and <laughs> said to the hitman, take the girl but spare me i'm important come on guys she's nothing why kill me so how did uh, that yeah. go scott <laughs> yeah so so the actually the, the so the quote i'm seeing here is that uh his first yeah so janice hansen the first wife she was a beauty beauty pageant winner uh they found a shot found shot to death in a car in Jackson Heights, Queens, New York on September 26, 1959. They were found dead with her was a mafia figure named Little Augie Pisano. Pisano. The pair in the front seat had been shot in the back of the head. Police believed it was a gang hit in Pisano. And Hanson, the wife, was killed because she was a witness. Man. Ugh, ugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Alan Drake was still at the Lotus Club when he got the news. He scrambled to his car, rushed to New York, which is, uh, you know, that's a five-hour drive. He ran to the Queen's Morgue, where he had to identify the body. In the days following, the strange details emerged about Janice Drake, who that wasn't the first mobster uh, she had an incident with. Uh, she was also involved with a man named Albert Anastasia. Yeah. Who I know mm-hmm. about because I photographed, I did this story and photographed his murder scene um, at a hotel in New York where he was gunned down in the barbershop. And you know what that barbershop is today? What is it? Starbucks. Starbucks. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so where uh, he was gunned down, uh, you can now eat some uh, coffee cake. Oh, dear. And, 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 I, and a cafe mocha. And have a, so- a soy latte. Yeah, so the FBI had told reporters Miss, Mrs. Drake was far from being an innocent bystander. Uh, the Associated Press said she is held to be, in some quarters, an important cog in some phases of mob operations. Alan Drake went back on the road and performed in denial. Um, columnist Jim Bishop said he created laughs when tears stood on his lids. Ugh. <laughs> kind of a downer but here's here's a little uh uh thing so drake just went on the road but uh he was kind of banned from clubs which is uh-huh. interesting because you know he his career resurrected when you know became a regular on sanford and son oh yeah um so he fled the country to canada where he got a month-long engagement at a club called the Ga- gatineau club right in uh, i i assume that's quebec 
And on on the highway leading to the club were enormous billboards with his photo and the words in large, bold letters, coming soon, Alan Drake, the Copacabana's favorite comedian. Oh, that's nice. I yeah, he was mean. also he was also in um, the movie Sex Kitten Goes Sex Kittens Go to College from nineteen sixty for the point. But uh, he, did he, Roger Ebert write that one? I don't know. He kept he kept on going on, but like he was last in um, he was in the TV series ER. Oh wow! So yeah. he had a long career. Yeah, he uh, did. He did. Shared a uh, woman with the mob who was I gunned know. down. And lived. A uh, little Augie. But yeah, uh, that was just said to be, you know, just again with uh, comedians in mob run nightclubs and then also Las Vegas. You know, Alan Drake's story was just one of many. Yeah, so we're, we're using him as an example. You know, it's not like. I think mobs and uh, the comedians, they intermix. And a good example of, of this is, you know, once again, going uh, full circle when on April 7th, uh, Crazy Joe Gallo, who operated the Copacabana at the time and last seen in the movie The Irishman, enjoying uh, Don Rickles, was assassinated by uh, a mob hit. I work everyone. I make fun of blacks. I make fun of Jews. I work gypsies. I work Italians. Well, not those Italians. I got the money. Oh, shoot. Be very careful about what you say. But uh, all kidding aside, happy birthday, Joey. And that was back in 1970 of the two. That's right. So Crazy Joe Gallo is said to be uh, friends with comedian David Steinberg. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, and Ben Gazzara. All right. Jerry um, Orbach from TV's e, uh, CSI. Oh, really? I think he's on CSI or one of, the, one of those things. Yeah, so they said there was a 1971 movie that featured uh, Robert De Niro called The Gang That Couldn't Shoot Straight. Uh, it was based on a comic novel by news legendary New, New York City newspaper columnist Jimmy Breslin. But it said like the character was based upon Crazy Joe Gallo. Huh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, so I think that... Brings us full circle on the history of comedians, the mob, and the Copacabana. Any takeaways, Scott? Don't get in the car with a mob boss if you're not like in the mob. Or don't date a mob boss. Well, yeah, don't don't date a mob. Boss. Look 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 what happened to John F. Kennedy. I know. Dude, don't don't share <laughs> yeah. your don't share your girlfriend with a mob boss, which is yeah. actually which is on the record, and this is not a conspiracy thing. They go, oh, that's conspiracy. No, this is something that really happened in history. A president was boning the girlfriend of somebody in the mafia. Period. End of story. <laughs> who who was the who was the guy? I mean, I heard that story. Um, I can't before. remember. Yeah, I can't remember which mafia boss it was, but they were sharing the same woman. <laughs> um, yeah, if there was yeah. Twitter back in Kennedy's time, it would just be. He <laughs> would be up there with uh, Trump and uh, Clinton. Well, the, th- the, the old, thing is uh, impeachment. Th- the thing is, back then, de- back then they had that gentleman's agreement, and like even for the women who were hey, in the press, were like, "Folks, we it's his private life. It's right, exactly. what he does in his private exactly. life. We don't, we don't. It's not talk. our business." And that was all that dude. I can't, this is what I wrote my thesis about. It's all about. It's, just, it's all about how the media, like, it's just like because that whole thing they, they kept all the way up until uh, friggin' uh, Monica Lewinsky and the Drudge. 
Because nobody was going to report it until Drudge came out and said, oh, by the way, you know, the president you know, diddled this woman with a cigar. <laughs> you know? Because the media wasn't yeah. going to report it. They knew it. They knew, they, they knew it happened, and they weren't going to report it until Drudge yeah. came. And that was the internet. Yeah. And just think about all the dirt they would have dug up on Taft. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bathtub too big, man. <laughs> so I think that wraps up our episode on the history of the mob, comedians, and the Copacabana. Yes. Which Excellent. means it's time to plug away. Scott, what do you have to plug? Oh, my God, Harmon. Well, as I said, oh, my God, I know you guys are tired of hearing about this, but it's still we're still going on. Um, I wrote and directed a movie, Harmon, which Harmon produced, called Everything You Want to Know About Sudden Birth But You Were Afraid to Ask, which I think we're going to have one of our last public screenings is going to be at the Fargo really? Film Festival in oh. North Dakota, in the United States. Ooh, er, chilly. Ah. In the United States of 2020, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, we have a new movie, which we hope will be premiering in the United States, or uh, across the world, in the... Um, Spring sometimes, so that's, you know, to come. But other than that, then also as well, Harmon and I do another podcast called This is the President, where you can hear all sorts of cool found presidential audio. We've got a couple of podcasts about what's going on with the craziness right now in uh, Trump yeah. impeachment land. Uh, but also we have a YouTube channel, which is going gangbusters. So come over there. Just look up This is the President, YouTube slash This is the President. You can watch all our videos about Trump, the Omarosa phone call. That did really well. And also our uh, Mr. T and um, Nancy Reagan phone call did really well. So uh, go over there and check it out. And uh, hope to uh, see you over there. Here, here. And also remember to like, subscribe, and comment about Comedy History 101. Either through our website, ComedyHistory101.com. You can check us out on Instagram, Comedy History 101, Twitter, and Facebook. And with that, thanks a lot for tuning in. And this is our last episode of 2020, or 2019. And we'll be back. Oh, my in- God. 2020 the next decade dude yeah we'll be back in the next uh uh, do we have to worry about y2k for the next for 2020 (laughs) no 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 y2k is over dude yeah no i know that's the joke bit of that yeah all right well thanks a lot for tuning in and bye 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 you're stupid everybody's so stupid good thing about doing comedy in russia you have captured the audience you're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101.